Okay, we're beginning here with the new parak at the bottom of Lamud Amud Bet. And the Mishnah says, Beit Shemai Omrim, Hegdesh Ta'ot, Hegdesh. That when someone makes a mistake in being Makdish something, it nevertheless goes through, and you are successful at creating that Kedusha or that Hegdesh. Ubeit Hillel Omrim, and Hegdesh. That it's not the case. That Hegdesh Ta'ot, a mistake in Hegdesh, is a mistake that causes it to unravel. And whatever you were trying to do is not accomplished. Kate said, what is an example of this? Amar shor shachor mi rishon. This black ox that will come out of my house first. It is hegdesh. And sure enough, v'yatsa lavan. And a white one comes out instead of a black one. Beit says it is hegdesh. Here there is a machloket rishonim as to how to explain this. There's one of two possibilities, and the entire Gemara can be read in these two possibilities. The Mepharish himself brings both possibilities. Tosafot favors one of the two approaches, but either you could say Hegdesh means the white one is Hegdesh. That's the Ta'ut. He thought it was going to be a black one that came out. Instead, a white one comes out. And sure enough, the white one's Hegdesh, because Hegdesh B'Ta'ut is Hegdesh, according to Beit Shemai. The other possibility is that not the white one is Hegdesh, but the first black one to leave the house will be Hegdesh, even though it's not the first shore to leave the house. So you can see that the two opinions really splice this statement, and the question is which part of that statement is more exact. Which is, is it the Shor Shachor that we're focused on, and then she had something made TV shown kind of falls away, or is it the other way around? The one that came out of my house first is the most important one, and then... The Shor Shachor is kind of just commentary on what he thinks is going to happen. says like you're suggesting, he made a condition, he makes a statement, he wants the Hekdesh to work based on his statement, and therefore, there's nothing doing over here. Dinar Zav, Rishon, the first coin that comes out of my pocket, which is going to be gold, Harihu Hekdesh, that is Hekdesh, Bala Shal Kesef, Instead, he gets a silver coin coming out. says, again, you'll the same issue, which is, does it mean that it is the silver coin is Hegdesh? Or the first gold coin that emerges from his pocket will be Hegdesh? says, doesn't conform to what he had said, and therefore it's not Hegdesh. And again, one more example. The barrel of wine that will come into my hand first, and instead it was a barrel of oil. Once again, it's not Hegdesh. Why you need three examples over here? It's the exact same cases. Tosafot basically says that it's a lozu afzu, which is, we're going to give you this, and then I'll give you a bigger Hegdesh, and then... Even a bigger Chiddush. Not only this, but this, not only this, but this. What are the Chidushim? In the first case, when you talk about Shvarim, when you're talking about the oxen, white and black is just an external appearance issue. It's inherently still an ox. There's an ox here, an ox there, just a white and black. Over there, you could argue that that type of mistake can be overridden, and that's where BHMI says it. The other hand, when you're talking about the coins... You're talking about silver and gold, which are different metals and different values. But in the end, they're both currency. But then you go to the last case where you're talking about wine and oil. Not only are they not the same, and you do not have a common denominator, they're totally different items. 
And yet over there, Beit Shemai still says, Hekdesh. That's the Chiddush according to Tosafot, that it's lo zu avzu, that each case brings a greater Chiddush, that despite the differences, it's still Hekdesh, even though there's no commonality between them by the final case. And just to note that when I'm quoting Tosafot over here, most of the Tosafot for this daf are actually found on daf Lamed Gimel, the daf that only has six lines on it. That's because the Tosafot for this daf are mostly found on daf Lamed Gimel. So if you don't see it here, when I quote the Tosafot, you can look at Daf Lamed Gimel. Oh, That's boy. where the Tosafot is. Beit Shemai Omrim Hegdesh. My Tamayu de Beit Shemai. What's the reasoning behind Beit Shemai? As you all correctly asked, why is it that Beit Shemai re- thinks over here that the person said something, and despite what he said, we still have Hegdesh go into effect? So he says, Teofinan Tchilat Hegdesh, Misof Hegdesh. We learn out the beginning of Hegdesh from the end of Hegdesh. Ma what, what is the end of Hegdesh? Mat mura afilu bitaut. Af Hegdesh afilu bitaut. So at the end of Hegdesh, or once something is already Hegdesh, then you can have tmura. Tmura is a din in the Torah, which is hu utmurato iye kodesh, which is that if you try to exchange one animal onto another animal, then that exchange goes through. It is successful in the sense that you're Mikadesh, the other animal, but the Kedusha never leaves the original animal. So who? Utmurato Yekodesh. So over there, he mistakenly assumes that he's going to transfer the Kedusha from one animal to the other animal. And the Torah says, he's still successful. He's successful at getting the Kedusha on the new animal, but not at removing it from the old animal. Murah works even when the individual, in a sense, makes a mistake. And Hekdesh goes through. So, just like Tmura works even when there is a mistake made, so too Hekdesh works even when there is a mistake made. Beitilel says that that's not necessarily a good comparison. That's the case by Tmura. This is a logical and makes a lot of sense what Beitilel is saying now. There's a difference between extending an existing circumstance versus creating a new reality, which is that once something's already hekdesh, to spread or expand that hekdesh is much easier than to generate hekdesh, we'll call it ex nihilo, where there was no hekdesh, and now you want to introduce hekdesh. We say the opposite by Tishabov. When it comes to Tishabov, we say, Kol. Shlom nivne bayt biyamav. Whoever's generation in which the Beit Hamikdash is not built, it's kilu nechrab biyamav. It's either it was destroyed in his lifetime. But the truth is that that's not a, a simple conclusion. Once the Beit Hamikdash is standing, or once an item is in place, it's much easier to maintain that status quo and to be forgiving to leave that status quo in place than to actually grant the permission and have something built anew. And so that's what Beit Hillel basically says to Beit Shemai. Listen, for you to spread Hekdesh, for Tmura, that's one thing. The thing's already Hekdesh, and you're just expanding, you're extending that Hekdesh, that's fine. To start here with something that's not Hekdesh, and then make it into Hekdesh, to elevate it to that new status, that new level, that's a much different issue. That's one possibility of explaining it. The other possibility of explaining it is simply, you are extrapolating, you can't extrapolate from one din to another din. Tmura is its own din. Tchilat Hegdesh is its own din. You can't overlap or you cannot conflate these issues. They don't necessarily have to do one with the other. Olvei Tachad 
If he says, listen, I want this tomorrow to work halfway through the day, we don't say that that is tomorrow immediately. You have to wait until halfway through the day comes about. The Gemara is now asking your question. The Gemara says that even when we say that Tmura works bitaut, we still listen to what he says. Meaning that he articulates something, and his articulation is what we carry out. So if he does Tmura with a condition built into it, we don't just say, oh, drop the condition and Tmura happens immediately. No, we abide by his condition, and the Tmura takes place when he conditioned it to happen. Let's say the same thing in our case. Exactly what you're saying, which is, if he articulates it, we can say a mistake can happen. But over here, to say that what he said, we're not going to listen to, we're going to ignore, we're going to override, that you cannot draw from Tmura. All Tmura says is that when he articulates something that is mistaken, which is that he might have meant something else, he wanted something else to happen, but he articulates the Tmura, and we say, okay, you articulated it, we're going to carry out what you said. That's a ta'ot that we could understand. Over here, where he articulates something, we say, not only is that not what, he, not, maybe he didn't mean that, but not only that, we're not even going to believe what he said. We're going to alter what he said to make it into something that works. Why should you do that? That parallel does not make sense. And that's what the Gemara is asking over here, and what you've all been bothered about in the sheet of Beit Shammai, which is, he said something. Don't we have to abide by what he said? So I'm a papa. So now a papa comes along to say, rishon, rishon. The papa says, you know what he said, rishon? Rishon means when it comes out first. kamar. I mean, what about the fact that he said the black one? Okay, it's okay now that you can say that he meant the first one that comes out. But what about the black one? Now, this will depend on what you think happened in the Mishnah. According to Rav Papa, he said Rishon, say Rishon. So now, if you believe in the Mishnah, that the Mishnah, according to Beit Shemai, says the white one is Kadosh, then the Gemara's question, the way the Rav Papa is reading it is, when he said Rishon, he meant when it comes out first. That's all he meant. So Gemara will say, Vahashachor Kamar. Didn't he say black? I mean, that if he, you're telling me now that the white one is Kadosh because he said came out, then what's the meaning of the word black over here? That's the way to read it for this case. If you believe that in the Mishnah, the first black one is Kadosh, then that's exactly what Rav Papa is saying here. When he says, When it comes out, when that one comes out first, that's when it's going to be Kadosh. Then he say a black one, and a white one came out first. Doesn't that ruin what he said? Okay, so my says, Milo Askinan, so isn't the case here when he only has this one. So now, what the assumption of the Gemara is, depending on which gear so you go with, is that when he said first, he meant the first of the black ones. And that's what Rav is saying here. That the reason the black one is Kadosh, not the white ones, according to the gear so that the black one is Kadosh, is because he meant, when he said Rishon, he didn't mean the first. He meant the first of the black ones. So the Gemara says, well, aren't we dealing with the case where there's only one black oxen here? So if there's only one black oxen, you can't be talking about a case where it's the first black one. When he says first, he means the first one to emerge. So the says, Lo, tzrichla, didle, train, it's a case where there are two or three black ones. And therefore, this is a plausible interpretation of his wording. When he said first, he meant 
the first of the black ones to exit. All right, that's one way to explain it. According to the other version, which is that the white one is Hekdesh. So then, what Papa is saying is, when he said Rishon, he meant Rishon. Rishon means Rishon the first. Oh, but he did say Shor What happened to that? So my love. So the Gemara says it's the opposite way around now. My love, the Treotolate. Isn't it a case where he has two or three black oxen? And therefore, first of the black could have meant the first of the black, not the white one. So the Gemara says, no, the Tzricha de Itle Yuchad. That only has one black oxen. And therefore, when he meant first, it obviously meant the first one to exit and not the first black one because the first black one doesn't make sense in that context. And that's why the white one is Kodesh. In both of these cases, no matter which way you read it, that, again, your question, which is, what's going on with the language? There are three different approaches to what the question of Beit Hillel is. One approach is simply, what is the word Shor Shachor doing over there? I mean that if he wants it to be the first one, just let him say, the first one, leave out Shor Shachor. Beit Shemai will answer that the Shor Shachor is just what he thought. Yitzhak is what he was trying to do. And Shor Shachor was just what he thought was going to happen, so we dropped that. Beit Hillel says, if you really meant that, just say that, then leave out the Shor Shachor. The other hand, the Bali Atosafot think that it's a difference between the word Rishon and Birishon. Rishon means first, period. Birishon means the first of others. And that there's a, a grammatical difference between Rishon and Birishon, which is Rishon would mean the first period of anything that exits. Birishon means the first of a group. And so therefore, the fact is, if he really wanted to say that, he should have said, she had say Birishon, not, she had say Rishon, which is the first one, period. So that's what Beidilel's criticism is. And the Rosh says that the problem is that he added the word in Beiti. Had he said Yatsar Rishon, that would have been fine. But because he said, she mi Beiti, Mashma, that whatever comes out first from my house, not the first of a grouping or first of the black ones. Mi beti means the first one that exited the house. And he expected a black one to come out first. And this doesn't work because he didn't use the word beti. Amalei rova mi barnish the ravashi. Hi, hegdesh bitautu. This isn't hegdesh bitautu. Hegdesh bitkavanahu. Rapapa, what you're now saying is that this is not a mistake. But rather, this is what he meant. What Rapapa is basically saying is that his statement meant this. His statement meant, depending on which version you do in the Mishnah, his statement either meant the first one to exit is Kadosh, and Shachor was just commentary, or the other way around, which is, I meant the first of the black ones, not the first one to exit my house. But either way, we are interpreting his statement to mean exactly this. Which means there's no longer a mistake here, but simply a clarification of what he meant. So when it says, that's exactly right. In first blush, his statement would mislead us. But when we look into it, then we realize that that's the case. So now, what Rav Papa has done here is change the conversation. Before this point, we basically thought that Beit Shemai believes Hekdesh B'taut Shmei Hekdesh, and Beit believes it's not Hekdesh. And Beit Shemai acknowledged that there was a mistake here, but nevertheless, the Hekdesh works. Rav Papa comes along and says, you got it all wrong. There's no mistake over here. It's simply a matter of interpreting his statement, trying to understand what he really meant. And then, depending on which version of the Mishnah, either we emphasize the coming out of the house first, and the other stuff he thought was a Shor Shachor, but that's not so important, we reinterpret it, or 
When we say she had said, meant the first of the black oxen to leave the house, and that's what he meant. But it's no longer a ta'ut, it's simply a matter of interpretation. Vechamai says, we're going to interpret his words this way because it makes a lot of sense and it'll make it into Egdesh. Betelel says, I still think that the language is difficult given that interpretation, and therefore I will not interpret it that way. But that means that Rapapa changed the conversation. Generally, when a Gemara switches gears like that, it uses the word Ella. Ella says, we're rejecting what we said before, and now we're moving on with a new idea. Yet, over here, we don't have Ella Amar Rapapa. So that's missing, which seems to say that Rapapa is following the previous statement. So both the Rosh and the Tosafot raise this issue, and say, where is the word Ella over here? And you could argue, it's Masech Nazir. So, we don't have the word Ella. But both of them answer that over here, there is no Ella because we didn't have an Amoraic opinion prior to this. There was no other Amora who gave an interpretation before Rapapa. After Rapapa, we'll have other Amoraim that disagree. But before Rapapa, we didn't have it. It was just the Gemara discussing the position of Beit Shemai, and therefore the Ella isn't necessary because nobody proffered an opinion until now. So now Rapapa is the first opinion, and this is the way to read it, Rapapa says, and that's why the word Ella is missing. Given that, the Gemara's next question is, Visavre Beit Shemai, Hekdesh B'ta'ut, Lohavi Hekdesh. Rapapa's assumption now is that Hekdesh B'ta'ut is not the explanation of our Mishnah, which seemingly implies that Beit Shemai does not believe that Hekdesh B'ta'ut is Shmei Hekdesh. They agree with Beit Dilal. Hekdesh B'ta'ut doesn't work. Uh, our Mishnah, our Mishnah is an issue of interpretation. Not an issue of taut. Va'atnan. What are you talking about? Mishna darbin azir. Ve'tiro. This is the next Mishnah coming up. Right, so it says, that person who took a nedenizirut, and then he got a tarat chachamim, va'etalo behemah mifureshet. And he already had designated animals for this nizirut. Te'tzei v'tire be'eder. They go out and they graze in your flock. I mean that they're not kadosh. The kadosh is unwound. Why? Because... The Nizirut was a mistake because it's undermined retroactively by the Atarat Chacham. And if Nizirut is a mistake, so is the Hekdesh of the animal, Lashem Nizirut. Because you're not a Nazir. Now obviously you wouldn't be Maktesh at Lashem Nizirut. And the animal comes in. Amru Don't you agree that this is Hekdesh B'Tahot? And then it goes out to the graze with the rest of the flock? I mean that... Beit Hillel says directly to Beit Shemai, isn't this Hekdesh Ta'ut? And you see here that Hekdesh Ta'ut doesn't work. Michlau. You would imply from that that the way that Beit Hillel is addressing Beit Shemai, the Savri Beit Shemai, the Hekdesh Ta'ut, Havi Hekdesh. That Beit Shemai believes that Hekdesh Ta'ut is Havi Hekdesh. And Beit Hillel is saying, listen, we don't buy this. We don't buy into this idea. And that's why they're questioning and they're bringing a proof that here, look at this example of Hekdesh Ta'ut that doesn't work. Ella Beitilelu de Katau. The Gemara's answer for a papa is Beitilelu misunderstood Beit Shemai. Savre Tamayu de Beit Shemai Mishum de Hekdesh Betot Avi Hekdesh. They thought that the reasoning behind Beit Shemai's opinion is Hekdesh Betot. Rami Lahom Beit Shemai La Mishum Hekdesh Betotu El Mishum de Ate Le Diburei Kamo. And Beit Shemai says Beitilelu, you got it wrong. You're right. As far as Hekdesh Betot is concerned, you're right. We'll agree with you. We think over here it's a reinterpretation or it's about the proper interpretation of his statement and that's what we're disagreeing about. This is the way Rapapa would have to explain the upcoming Mishnah. Now, what's interesting here is that the Gemara only brings the first part of the Mishnah. The Mishnah continues and Beit Shemai responds to Beit Hillel in the world of Hekdesh Ta'ot and says, you know what? I'll prove to you that Hekdesh Ta'ot is Hekdesh. As if 
Not that they're saying, you got it wrong, Beit Hillel, but rather, upholding their opinion. So Tosafot asks, well, if you continue in the Mishnah, it sounds like that Beit Shammai agrees with Beit Hillel's challenge, and they're trying to answer the challenge. So what they say is, Aliba, do you Beit Hillel, we're answering you. We don't believe that the issue is here is Hekdei Shtaot, but now that you raised that issue, we're going to counter the way that you're explaining it. But that's not our reasoning, but we can counter it anyway. Right, so now the Gemara asks again, "Vesavir beit Shemay Ekdesh b'Tod Lo Beyakdesh Tashma." So here we go. Ayu mechalchim b'Derech. They were walking along the way. Vechad ba kinegdan, and there's another guy approaching them. Vamar echad, and one of the guys says, "Harei Nazir sezeploni." I'm the Nazir. If that's so and so, vechad amar, "Harei Nazir shein zeploni." I'm a Nazir. If it's not so and so, obviously they're arguing about who it is. So that is be and then so one of those two should be a Nazir. The third guy says, "Are any Nazir? Sheachad mikem Nazir. I'm a Nazir. If one of you two is a Nazir, sheachad mikem Nazir. I'm a Nazir. If neither of you guys are a Nazir, sheshneichem Nazirim, or I'm a Nazir. Both of you guys are Nazirim, shekulchem Nazirim, or because all of you guys are Nazirim. Whatever the condition he puts in, shemayamim kulam Nazirim. They're all Nazirim. Vahacha ekdesh b'ta'uto. Here it's ekdesh b'ta'ut." And yet, and they say that everyone is a Nazir. Why? Because Beit Shemai says, as the Mifaresh explains over here, everybody said, Arani Nazir. They all started their sentence with Arani Nazir. Whatever they added afterwards, that's a mistake. Their commitment was to being a Nazir. And as the Mifaresh says over here, when the fourth guy comes along and says, Arani Nazir, in Echad Mechem Nazir, then when he says, I'm a Nazir, if none of you are a Nazir, Badai Yesh Bechem Echad Nazir. He's saying that in a, in a sarcastic manner. I'm a Nazir if none of you are Nazirim. Meaning, of course, one of you guys is a Nazir, and therefore I'm a Nazir. That's how we're going to interpret it. And then the fifth guy comes along and says to the first two guys, I'm a Nazir if you're both Nazirim, because you definitely are not Nazirim over here. Turns out that they are Nazirim. So all their statements are all premised on facts that they think, and then the facts turned out to be not exactly what they thought. So in each case... The individual makes some sort of mistake in assessment. So the first guy says, it's so-and-so, and the other guy says, it's not so-and-so. So they both say, Arini Nazir, and they are so certain that they're right, that they think they're going to be a Nazir. Meaning that they basically are going to be a Nazir, even though they're mistaken in their premise. And so on and so forth, through all of the examples here, the individuals are making statements declaring what they think the individual is, or what the Psakalocha is going to be for these individuals. And sure enough, it turns out that each one of them, despite their being wrong, is a Nazir. And that is basically Hegdesh B'Taot. So there you see clearly that Beit Shemai believes Hegdesh B'Taot, Havi Hegdesh. So the answer, Amre, Sabre Beit Shemai Hegdesh B'Taot, Havi Hegdesh. Aval, Achalo, simple answer, which is that what Papa says, I don't say that Beit Shemai does not believe that Hegdesh B'Taot is not a Hegdesh. I just don't think that's from our Mishnah. You can draw that conclusion from Beit Shemai's opinion in other places, including the case of Nazir and including the upcoming Mishnah. But our Mishnah, our Mishnah, you cannot prove that Beit Shemai believes that Ekdesh B'Tauch Me'ekdesh, because the reason in our Mishnah could be, and the way that Rapopo is explaining it is, it has nothing to do with Ta'ot, but rather, actually, Diburei Kama. That it's a question of interpretation of his statement rather than Ekdesh B'Tauch. So in the end, he acquiesces to the fact that Ekdesh B'Tod, Shmei Ekdesh for Beit Shemai, it's just not relevant in our case over here. 
Some suggest the reason being that the case of Nazir is much more similar to the case of Tmurah. In the case of Tmurah, we said that the reason that it works over there according to Beit Hillel is because we do what you articulated. You said something, and we abide by your articulation even though it's a mistake. By our case of Hegdesh in the Mishnah, that's not what he said. And since that's not what he said, Hekdesh B'ta'ut is not the right way to go. And that's why we have to go to this Derech of Rapapa, which is that it's a bad interpretation. By the case of Nazir, all of them said, Arani Nazir. They all did say, Arani Nazir. And therefore, there are some that want to explain here that this is much more similar to the case of Tmura, which is that they're all making a statement of Arani Nazir. And then oh, they're adding on that, I think I'm right, or I think I'm right, or I think this. But their basic statement is Arani Nazir. And that's like the Tmura case, where the Ta'ot is simply, you think something's going to happen, and you think this is right. But your basic premise is, I'm trying to move Kedusha from one to the other, and it works. Say I'm going to be a Nazir. There are mistakes in your understanding of what the circumstances are, or what the Psaq's going to be. But you're still a Nazir, and therefore, since it's parallel to Tmura, over here, we're going to say that this is where Beit Shemai says that Ta'ot is Hegdesh. But not by the case or Bar Mishnah where the called the Ta'ut is too big because you did not articulate what you wanted to happen in the end. Alright, so what we had earlier in the Masechta where you have this issue of Hafla'ah that you have to articulate with certainty that you're going to be a Nazir, that's basically what they're saying is happening over here according to this, that it's Hekdesh B'Ta'ut, is that already Nazir. The other information that you put there was to prove your point. And that's, you're trying to convince someone of something that's information. You're so certain you're right you may say, I'm Harini Nazir, and I'm right. You're just reinforcing that you're right. The fact that you're wrong in the end is not so important because it's not really a condition built into your Nazirot, but rather you're trying to communicate information to the other person, which is, I'm so right, and I'm a Nazir, if I'm right, shows you that I know I'm right. I'm really right in this situation. And that's not conditioning the Nazirot, but rather showing or trying to prove I'm right. Showing your certainty in the circumstance. And Beit Shemai says, even though in the end, there is some sort of mistaken premise over here. It goes through. And that's how we have Egdesh B'toch Shmei Egdesh. Abai Amar, You got it all wrong here. It's not a case where he's standing in the morning and he's saying, whichever one comes out of my house first is going to be the one that I'm Akdish. Or whichever comes out of my pocket first or the barrel that I pick up first. We're always, we're thinking of this whole Mishnah in the future. Which is that he makes the statement and then in the future we get the facts to determine whether his statement was true or not. He's already in the afternoon. That it's rather, it's in the past tense. And he's saying, that black ox that left my house first is Egdesh. And they come to say them, it wasn't a black ox that went out, it was a white one. If I had known that a white one was leaving, then I would never have said black. So now the Gemara says, How can you say that the Mishnah is talking about a case where he's standing in the afternoon and talking in the past tense? That the Dinazav that will come out. So today, Shalah, changed the Mishnah to read that it happened in the past. So the Gemara says again, In the past tense. So the Mishnah fix up the Mishnah according to Abaye. The solution to the Mishnah is this is a classic case of Hekdesh B'Ta'ut because we're going to say that it was done in the past tense, which means he makes a statement. We give him the information that he's wrong. 
And he says, Apal Pikein. That's what I meant. And then he makes a correction in his statement. So he, he himself is admitting that there was a mistake in his premise or his misstatement. But he says, I still intended it for it to be Hekdesh. And Beit Shemai says, that's fine. That goes through. That's Hekdesh that goes through. Now, as Tosfo points out, this looks now very similar to the case of Nazir, the way that Eli is explaining it. Just like the person by Nazir made a mistake based on what he thought he was seeing or the facts in front of him. So to here in our Mishnah now, when it's after the fact, it's a mistake about the facts. And now it seems to be an issue of Hekdesh Ta'ut. The question asked by all of the Rishonim, the Faresh Asilvir, Tosfot asked it later on, why don't we just say it's talking about the future? And say this, he says, Shor Shachor, she had saved me Beiti. So the Shor Shachor that goes out of my house, now again, by the case of Shor, it's easy, because she had say or she had sa are spelled the same way. So without Nikudot, you don't know if the Mishnah was talking about the future tense or the past tense. That's why the Gemara never asked about the case of Shor. How do you know if it's future or past? Because it's Shietze or Shiatza, you wouldn't know which one it is. It's only in the latter two cases where it's clear that the future tense is being used because it's a different word. Then the Gemara went back and amended the Mishnah in order to conform to the fact being a past tense. But what you could ask is, why not just leave it as a future tense and say that Shor that comes out of my house first, that black one, I want it to be Ekdesh. Then tell him, oh, a white one came out. So he said, okay, you know what? Even though the white one came out, I, I still want it to be active because I just meant the first one. Why can't he just do that after the fact also? So the way that the Mifaresh says it is, Lokasha. When you're speaking about the future as opposed to the past, you can't say that the way that the Tosavot says it is. He's not a Navi. He can't know what's going to happen. Therefore, there's a difference in your statement. When you're talking about in the past tense, you can talk about intent to be Makdish, despite that you got the facts wrong. Because something happened, and he just, in his head, had the wrong information about what had happened. And everybody can say it was a mistake. I intended to be Magdishit. I just thought the information was black and not white. But, in the case where you're talking about the future, he can't say that I made a mistake. I intended to be Magdishit no matter what, and I made a mistake. Well, if that was the case, then why did you say Shor Shachor? Shor Shachor was your assumption of what will happen in the future, and therefore... It's basically a part of the condition of what you're saying rather than a mistaken fact. Mistaken fact can only be after the fact. But when you are projecting forward, then the information that you're giving is part of your statement. It's not a mistaken fact. It's a part of your statement that this is what you want to happen. And that's why you all were bothered by the fact that Beit Shammai, how could it be if that's what you meant, that all of a sudden now we're saying that's not what he meant. So Bayez says, agree with you. When you're talking about the future, you can't do that. In the past... You can talk about somebody misassessing or getting misinformation, and therefore it's like a classic mistake that you would talk about. Someone had the wrong information, and they made a mistake. Now they want to correct that mistake. Beit Shemai says, based on that, the Ekdesh told is Ekdesh. And that's a Bayi's opinion as to how to explain the Mishnah. Right now, we move on to something somewhat disconnected from this, which is Amar of Chista. Ukma b'chivara lakya. If you have a black ox among white oxen, lakya. It is negative. What it's negative for is not clear. Whether it means that the black ox is lakya, is weaker, because it's found amongst the, the white oxen. It's a misplaced. The white oxen are better, and a black one's just not as good. Or lakya means that it detracts from the value of the whole flock. If you're selling this whole flock of oxen, if there's a black one in there, it's going to drop the price on the entire group, because black oxen are worth less than white oxen. So something along those lines, that's what Rav is saying. 
Chivara ba'ukma lakya. And then again here, a white one amongst black. Now here it doesn't mean a white shore amongst black shvarim because we already just said that the white shore is worth more. But it means that a white splotches or patches on a black shore is also a siman or a negative siman for the black oxen. And again, whether that means that it's weaker, this ox, or it'll diminish the value of the black oxen when they're oxen that also have white patches on them. As Tosvot says over here, that the white spot on the black cow is an indication that the animal actually had sarat at some point. The Gemara challenges it from our Mishnah. Tanan, shachor, me agdesh. The black ox that leaves my house first will be agdesh. Kasakadatcha, we're assuming here, ki magdish, ba'ayin ra'a magdish. When a person is magdish, he does it in the most miserly or constricted manner, but he does it in the most limited form, which is he gives, but we're going to interpret his words in the most limited fashion. Rami Beit Shemai, Abe Yakdesh. And Beit Shemai says it is Yakdesh. So what you're assuming here is based on the fact that it's an Ayn Ra, and Beit Shemai says it goes through, even though we're minimizing the interpretation of his words, that seems to indicate that the white one is of lesser value. And this question obviously follows Abayah's explanation of the Mishnah that we're talking about Hekdesh Tod, and therefore it's the white one that is Mugdash, as opposed to Rav Papa's opinion where we saw, depending on the view of what Rav Papa was saying in the end, could be that it's the white one, and then you could explain this more as well in that vein. But if you think it's the black the one that is Hekdesh, then obviously the question of the Gemara here is not relevant because it's the black one that's Hekdesh, not a white one then that means that Beit Shemai believes that despite the fact that the white one is worth more, then he still says it's Hegdesh, which means that we're not giving the most limited interpretation of your statement. We're giving the most expansive view of your statement. And where it says, Elamai, so what do you think now? So what do you think that he gives the most expansive view? And that's a way to either solve the problem. If you think the white one is Hegdesh according to Beit Shemai, and you're going to say now, oh, you know what? People give in the most generous manner. And therefore, we even include the white one, which is worth more. Then what are you going to do with the next line in the mission, which is, Dinar Shazav, Shalev Rishon, He said gold, and it turns out to be silver. Hegdesh. It is Hegdesh. So over there, you're not giving the most expansive. You're saying that despite the fact that he wanted gold, he's giving silver. That seems to be a more limited interpretation of his words. Elamai. So what are you going to say? Ba'in Ra'a Magdish? that he gives in the most limited or miserly fashion. And oil came out instead. It's Hegdesh. Even though the oil is worth more than the wine, nevertheless, Beit Shemai says it's Hegdesh. So, and oil is worth more than Yayin. So, says, That last piece of the Mishnah is not a problem, because Galilo Shanu. We're talking about in the Galil, the Chamra Difmi Mishcha. In the Galil, wine was worth more than oil. And so that's an easy explanation. But still, Reisha, Kasha, the Rav Chista. The Reisha is still a problem for Rav Chista. So once we've done that, then the Mishnah is consistent that it is Ba'ayn Ra'a Hu Magdish. And therefore, in the case in the Galil, the Shemen is Ra'a. In the case of gold and silver, silver is Ra'a. And in the case of the Shore, it would seem to indicate that the white Shore is worth less because in the ratio, it seems that, based again on the interpretation that the shore that came out is Hekdesh, the white one that came out is now Hekdesh, then it seems from our Mishnah that the white one is 
worth less than the black one. And that's why Beit Shemai says, even Hekdesh Betot is Hekdesh, because giving the white one is not extending or expanding your statement from black to white. It's a lower value, and that's why you're allowed to do it. That goes against what Rav Chista said, that the white one is worth much more. When I was talking about it, I was talking about this particular type of shore. This particular type of shore, white ones are better. That's not a generic statement about oxen in general, that white ones are better. It's about this particular breed or location or species. They are better when they are white. And now we have a more expansive statement about Rav Chista telling us about the colors of oxen. Uchma the mashche. Black oxen are great for their hides. Sumka, the bisrei. Red, colored oxen are great for their flesh, for meat. Chivara, the rajah. White oxen are great for plowing. So, depending on what your intent is or what your purpose with the shore is, that will make a difference as to whether the color is worth more or worth less. Or, in essence here, the shvarim of Karmenai seemingly were plowing shvarim, and therefore white ones were the best. Didn't the Rav Chista say that a black one amongst the white ones is problematic? But now you're telling me that the Ukma are good. That statement is made about these Karmanei, where the white ones are the best. Therefore, if there's a black one mixed in, it lowers the value. Okay, so here you just have Rav Chista's making a statement that's really not related to our Gemara at all, talking about the value of Shvarim. And obviously, Rav Chista's statement, as Tosvot says, is just for commercial reasons. We need to know if a person promises a certain item or a certain type of shore, the color will matter based on what the purchase was for, what the transaction revolved around. The Gemara attaches it to our Mishnah, because our Mishnah seems to indicate that a white shore is not worth more than a black shore, and therefore, even if you were to donate in the most limited and miserly fashion, if you said black and white came out, we would still say the white is Hegdesh, showing that the white is not worth more than black. And the Gemara says that's not a problem because it depends on the species or the purpose for which one is engaging these oxen. And we could explain our Mishnah in one case and explain Rav Chista's statement in an alternate case. Okay, we'll just read the Mishnah. This is the Mishnah that we just quoted before as to the proof that Beit Shemai says that Hekdesh betul shmai hekdesh, and the Gemara said, "Ah, no, it was just Beit Hillel making a mistake about their opinion." Meishin adar ben Azir, person took an enezirut and he shalach hacham and he gets a tarat nedarim, vasro, and he says, "No, no go. The tarat does not go through." First time we ever seen this in nedarim or nezirut. The chumam denies him the right to a tarat nedarim. Moneh mishash nedar. Then the beginning of his nezirut is not from the day that the chacham paskin said it. It's a good nedar. But just like the Chacham would be accurate retroactively, when he upholds it, he also upholds it retroactively. And the Mephorish over here says the Chiddush is that despite the fact that in those earlier days, he drank wine with Mitameh the Metim, assuming that the Chacham is going to be Matur the Neder. And now he finds out that the Chacham is not Matur the Neder. Nevertheless, those original days count towards his Nizirut, despite the fact that he did not treat them as if he was a Nazir. It's like as if time served already counts towards... Your nither zirut. Nishala chacham etiro. On the other hand, if he gets a tarat chacham and the chacham grants him the hatara, according to the Farish again here, the chedesh is that despite the fact that he kept the dine nizirut, still when the chacham is matirit, it's oker the nether mi'ikaro. Haitalo beima mifureshet. If he had a beima that was segregated for the nether nizirut, teitzei vitereb eider. 
It goes out as if it was never Egdesh. That this is the case where it goes out to the flock, and it's hekdesh b'taot, and it falls apart. According to a papa, this is Beitil making a mistake. According to a bayi, who thinks that it is about hekdesh taot over here, going back to the previous Mishnah, this is connected to the previous Mishnah. The previous Mishnah, Beit Shemai said hekdesh taot, shmei hekdesh. Beitil says to him, listen, I have a case here of hekdesh taot, and I'm sure you agree with me that it's not Hekdesh. Now, Tosafot over here points out that that really is why Beit Shammai is going to agree in this instance. As Tosafot says over here, Since there was never Nizirut, It's not really Hekdesh Klaot. I feel Beit Shammai Modul because it's as if there was never a Hekdesh. It's not your classic case of Taot, but rather we've now rewritten history. And by rewriting history, you were never a Nazir. If you're never a Nazir, then be Magdish for Nazirut never really made sense or never should have happened. And this is worse than a regular case of And that's why Beit Shemai would agree in this case that it's not Hegdesh Taot and it actually becomes as if nothing happened because of the way that we rewrite history given that Acham is Oker and Neder Me'ikaro, that he's Macha the Neder retroactively, if you weren't a Nazir, then being Makdish for a Nazir was a meaningless statement, or really, didn't really happen, just like the Nazirut never happened. And based on that, Tosafot actually says that Beit Shammai could have said that back to Beit Hilal, that this is not your classic case of Hekdesh Tod, but rather the answer to them, Me'inyanam, that we'll try now to give an answer that is on parallel with Beit Hilal's proof, and even despite the fact that that answer also be knocked off, the true reason why Beit Shemai believes Hekdesh B'taot Shmei Hekdesh is because of Tmura. Tosur over here raises an issue that he raised also earlier, which is why does Hafara not have the same din here as Hatara? You can argue that Baal's Migas Gois, that the husband only wipes out the neder prospectively, and therefore you can't say that the Behemah then is a Ta'ot or doesn't exist because Nizirut did exist. Therefore, the Hekdesh is real, and that's why you have a different outcome in that case. But then Tosavot says a Chiddush that he mentioned back on Daf Chavet as well, which is that, by Hafarat and even if you believe that it's Me'akar Ka'akar, that it's retroactively nullified, it's still different than the Hatarat and of the Chacham. Because the Hatarat and of the Chacham eliminates the Nether as if it didn't exist ever. Whereas, when it comes to the hafara of the Baal, even if you say that that is retroactive, the netter still existed for a short period of time, and then it was eliminated. Or the netter exists, and you're just negating the Isurim that are associated with it. And for that small chaluta netter that takes place by the hafara of Baal, that generates all these other outcomes, which is that the hektesh would remain in place, and all the other things that we saw that are different about hafara than hatara. And the difference being that Hatarata Chalm is premised on Harata, regret, which undermines or wipes out the nether completely, whereas Hatarata Baal is Xerata Katuv, that he's allowed to nullify it, not that the woman didn't want to take the nether, or that she never wanted the nether to go into effect. It's an imposition of the Torah, that Xerata Katuv, that the husband can be made fair, the nether of the wife. modim. I have a case of Hekdesh Tehut, where you're going to agree also, which is a case, Bemishita, person who's doing the Maiser Behema. Maiser Behema works by where the animals are exiting from the corral, and he counts. And every tenth one is Kadosh Be Maiser Behema. 
If a person in his camp made a mistake and he called the ninth one that exited the tenth one, and he called the tenth one the ninth one, meaning he mixed up their numbers, and he also calls the eleventh one number ten. Oh, in all those cases, they're all mikudash. The tenth one is kodesh, because it is the tenth one, even though he mistakenly called it something else. The ninth and the eleventh one are kadosh, because he called them ten. And so he's makdish them. So here you have Hagdesh Bitaut. It's clear here he made a mistake. He miscounted. And he called 9, 10, or he called 11, 10. And that's what's generating the Hagdesh over here. Hagdesh Bitaut, Shmei Hagdesh. They shave it. The staff is what is Mikadesh over here. They're describing the process of Meiser Beima, which is, we, we say this in the Tanatokif, on Roshana Yom Kippur. We're going out to Kibbe Maron. That they're exiting like the sheep, one by one, single file. And the the roeh, or the owner, is sitting there, and he takes the staff, and he counts them, one, two, three, and he touches them with the staff. And when he makes a mistake and says, nine is ten, he says, ten, with his staff, that's what's mikadish. You know how I know? Because if he called number eight, ten, or he called number twelve, ten, shema saklum, maybe it has any effect? No. It's not just because you called it ten and made a mistake. Elar katuv shikidesh asiri, Pasuk that was Magdish the 10th was also Magdish the 9th and the 11th. In other words, it's Xerat HaKatuv. It's deemed to be Meiser Beimah, but it's Xerat HaKatuv. How do I know it's Xerat HaKatuv? Because it doesn't work for anything you call 10. The fact that you called it 10, and that mistake is what generates the Akdesh, no matter which one you call 10, should be Akdesh. The fact that it's only the proximate Beimot, 9 and 11 on either side of 10 that are Kodesh, that shows you that it's Xerat HaKatuv and not because of the Ta'ud. It's generated by a mistake. But it's not just the mistake that does it, but rather it's the mistake through the Xerat HaKatuv which says that when you make such a mistake, it's Hekdesh, then it's not telling us that Hekdesh but Ta'ud is Hekdesh. It's simply saying that in this case, when you call something 10 and the proxy one's 10, that's the equivalent of Meister Be'ima. And it's Xerat HaKatuv and you can't prove anything from this or extrapolate from this. Okay, we'll stop here by the Gemara on the top of Lamed Bet Amud Aleph.